The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as betting staffs and trends that you won't find anywhere else. is Monday, July 16th, and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. On this week, we're going to be doing all things MLB All-Star break, which seems kind of counterintuitive seeing as how there's the Home Run Derby, the Futures game was today, and of course, the All-Star game. For this podcast, we had on Scott Bowser, friend of the podcast for God four or five years now. And we broke down everything. We touched. We started off the podcast, which actually went pretty long, into uh, the kind of our review into the MLB 2018 first half of the season. Surprises. We went over our win totals. Bets that we made uh, in the original podcast that we did with Sean and Ryan on the in the original Sports Gaming Podcast uh, in the old feed. Uh, so we kind of touched on that, all the surprises, news and notes from around the league for the first half of the season. And then we broke into the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. Uh, it's an eight-person field with the bracket um, and as well as the changes into the All-Star Game being more or less important, uh, depending on how you look at it now. Um, so we touched on kind of prop bets. Uh, for both the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. Gave our winners for both. And then what to look at uh, in the second half of the 2018 MLB season. So I hope you guys enjoy the uh, interview with Scott Bowser for all things MLB All-Star Week. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, the one and only friend of the podcast for so many years, Scott Bowser. How is it in sunny California, my friend? It is great. So much better than last week when we hit 113 out where I'm at. I don't, uh, feel, I don't feel bad for you, bro. It's about 120 <laughs> out here. It's record highs in the desert in Vegas right now. Um, yeah, it's brutal, bro. But you're, you've been all over the map covering baseball, not covering baseball, but enjoying everything that California baseball has to offer lately, right? Yeah, I was uh, just a few weeks ago, I went to the California League All-Star game. And it's pretty cool because they understand that that's like their one big, like it was at the Lancaster uh, hangar where the Jethawks play which is a Colorado high single A team. And what's really cool about it is like they do their Hall of Fame induction for, for the California League there. They do a home run derby. They do a Little League home run derby. They have like a they had some weird like experimental Christian rock band playing. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> what does experimental mean? <laughs> I mean, they were just a bad cover band, but they were, they were really kind of jazzing it up, trying to take things their own direction. It was pretty hilarious. What did, how how, how deep is the fence in a Little League home derby, home run derby? Uh, you know, they put these, like, they put a small, like, temporary fence in, like, the, basically, you know, like, those yeah, like a wiffle ball or softball fence. And, like, not, not even field. that, like, it was, like, the metal barricades they usually use to keep crowds back at, like, at airports when celebrities <laughs> come by or whatever. Like, yeah. and they just kind of line those up, not too far out past the infield dirt. And this Jethawk Stadium, it's bigger than Dodger Stadium. It's 410 to straight center, 350 down the lines, 385 to the power alleys. So for the minor leaguers, it's no joke. Now, it is in, like, the high desert area, so the ball does travel. But for these little leaguers, it was sad because the, the kid that ended up winning it, they should have had to put the fence back another 50 feet for him. Like, it wasn't fair. Was it Danny Almonte Jr. out there? Ah, uh, God, I can't even remember the kid's name. Uh, he, like, he hit 19 home runs in the final round, and the next closest was kid in the whole day. Yeah, yeah, it was all 12-year-olds then. And this, I mean, he wasn't that big. It wasn't like he was the kid that hit puberty before everybody else. <laughs> like yeah. He was like an average-sized kid, but he just had great hand speed. 
And like the next closest kid hit six home runs, I believe, and he hit 19 in the final round. That's still so deep, man. So for everyone that um, obviously with the switch to the SGP, SGP network, uh, maybe maybe didn't see the season preview that we did, uh, win totals and everything in between, uh, futures that we did with Sean and Ryan. Uh, but just to, we haven't really talked since then on air or anything like that. Um, what's your takeaways from the first half of the 2018 MLB season? Everything from the baby Braves coming up a little bit uh, yeah. faster than people thought that we touched on. Uh, Seattle and Arizona kind of finding an identity. Severino, Corbin, new aces in the mix. Uh, anything and everything uh, just to talk about the 2018 first half of the season. Well, I was definitely wrong on uh, – I, I had a feeling the Angels were going to have – I was wrong on them making that wild card. I did think the Angels have had a crazy amount of injuries. I was wrong on Seattle. I was right on Oakland. Oakland is coming along quicker than I thought this year. Yeah. And they're even, they're even better than I thought. I think that win total that I, is looking really good right now. Um, all same with the Rays. I was kind of buying the drinking the Rays juice back then, and their their little technique with the opener using a a bullpen guy to start the game. They're they're giving the fewest amount of runs up in the first inning. Have in you baseball. been playing that? One of the gems in this betting season has been to play Tampa Bay no run scored first inning because obviously they play the matchup so that eliminates one. Then Tampa Bay's offense is so bad; it's been cashing like crazy. It's, it's still cash- there, you know, like minus one twenty. I haven't been playing that, and that is a really because like. They should. Pro- I, I'm surprised the bookmakers haven't caught on to that yet. Where yeah, it's- I think I just don't think a lot of people play it. I mean, I've been playing it literally just about every game when they have Stanek and he has the good, the good splits that he has against uh, normal teams and stuff like that. It's it's been absolutely killer. So that's a little a little nugget there with Tampa. And yeah, you touched on. I mean, some futures that I think we gave out. Uh, Gallo over 35 and a half home runs, looking absolutely great. Same thing with Arenado. Those ones were lined super low to me. Um, were there any futures that you gave out on that show that you want to kind of touch on off the top of your head? Well, I was saying uh, fade all the starting pitching unders, all, all the total total wins for any starting pitcher, any of the big ones they had out there. And if you look at it right now, I mean, only Severino and like a handful of guys are really putting up the high win totals. So and you like a lot of these guys are going to hit their innings limits later in the season. Teams are going to be leaning more on the bullpens down the stretch. I feel like those win, like starting pitching win totals are just going to be going down. I, I can see in the next few years where the league leader is going to have 14 wins on the season. Yeah, and it's funny because one of Ryan's famous, uh, his, his his favorite bet every single year is Syndergaard over wins, and it hasn't cashed the, fa- the last like three years because it's set at like 12 and a half. And the poor guy yeah. just can't stay healthy and get there. Yeah, because I mean, there's so many factors that go in there. You have to have the run support and, and in the bullpen. A lot of great pitchers, especially, you know, the DeGroms of the world, sure, that they're on these bad teams this year. Like, besides, like you touched on Severino, there's not a lot of great pitchers on great teams this year, obviously, besides Sale uh, in the Red Sox. But as always, they can't score runs for them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, and I mean, it makes sense when you see these ace pitchers that, they don't get much run support because they're usually the teams are going up against the other team's ace. Right. And that's what I touched <laughs> on with the the value of the king picture to the ace. It's that number two. When you could find that dominant number two pitcher, he's so much more valuable uh, than that ace. When I talk about that, that's the Patrick Corbins of the world coming up against uh, after Grinky. Porcello coming up after Sale. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, he's don't really have one, but I mean, anyone after Severino, especially if off a loss when the public jumps off that, you get a little bit of a discounted line. So that's been working out very well this year. It's kind of an another one and you know uh another thing was like we were we were both high on the braves like you mentioned that like the intro there the braves are looking great right now and i mean i feel like with them in philadelphia especially with philadelphia i don't know if they want to pull the trigger on too many big trades here coming up because no i wouldn't you're you're a year ahead of the rebuild at, at least if not two years ahead of the rebuild so why risk it now 
Like you're, you're looking at being good down the line, save your money, save your resources for when you're really going to need it. Yeah. Especially with Harper likely leaving as well. That opportunity is going to, it's going to come very fast. But another thing I wanted to, uh, is Blake Snell. I am so impressed with what Blake Snell's doing in Tampa this year. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he came up because, you know, with um, Alex Cobb, and they were supposed to be the next one-two punch in Tampa, David Price-esque, and Cobb went off the deep end, traded to or signed with Baltimore, and Snell out there with a 2-1-5 ERA making the All-Star team. And with Snell, it's funny to think, like, because okay, we talk about Severino, we talk about Sale, but Severino doesn't have to face the Yankees lineup. Sale doesn't have to face the Boston lineup. Snell's a pitcher in that division that has to face both of them. And it's even more <laughs> impressive because both those teams kill lefties. Yeah, I mean, so like, you, yeah, when you really look at it, it's incredible what he's doing in that division this year. Well, let's talk about that, Boston and the Yankees. This may be the first time ever that a 100-team win or 100-win team has to play in a wild card, and it may happen twice with the Mariners and uh, Houston. Obviously, I don't think that Seattle's going to catch Houston, uh, but... This has to be the the tipping point to change this from a one game play in game in the wild card to a three game series. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. And here's what I, here's what I would do with a three game series for it is you can technically do it over like like a weekend where you have like uh like the home like basically the team with home field advantage in the three game series. Let them do a double header on Sunday. I like do, it. Do, do like a Friday night play in game, right? Or a Friday night, like game one in the in the one city, and then the other t- team can go back home and have a chance to take it a doubleheader on Sunday. I think that would be incredible. I think it would put the managers on the spot for how they're going to manage. They have to manage their bullpen for two games in that situation. And it could it could really really be interesting. Yeah, and it, it would cut down on the travel because you don't want to have to go back and forth on a three game series. Like, like yeah, uh, the only thing with that is. A- Again, it's. I don't know if they would do the doubleheader because the team that has the better record is going to want to start at home. Uh, so then, I mean, I don't know. You can't do one home away and then game three if necessary at home. It's too much travel. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, God, I don't know how they would do it. The doubleheader is interesting. It's just, you know, baseball, man. The old school, they yeah, don't no, anything different. No, especially with the doubleheader, the last thing the owners want to do is lose the gate on two playoff games, like kind yeah, of thing. Like, exactly. Um, so let's go down the line here though. I'll just quickly touch on this stuff. Uh, kind of news and notes, AL central Cleveland. I mean, there wasn't a time when they were like minus 400 to win the division when they were at 500, they've completely just torn this division apart. I mean, the this is the worst division in baseball, Minnesota, seven games under 500, seven and a half back. Uh, and it gets worse down from there. Uh, any news and notes from the AL central with Cleveland, Minnesota, Detroit. Uh, obviously we, we kind of talked about how bad Chicago and Kansas city were going to be. Uh, but Cleveland, I mean, one thing to note, this may come into play in the win total market is they have no reason to play the last month of the season. Uh, so guys like Andrew Miller or Brantley are probably going to be sitting down. Obviously, Miller hasn't really played all year uh, and anything and anything with that. Obviously, Lindor was kind of my MVP pick and he's available right now. I don't know if you know this, at 40 to 1 still at the Westgate right now. Wow. I thought what, I was getting ahead of the market at 8 to 1. 40 to 1 with 26 home runs at the break. And he's sitting on what, 22 home runs right now or so? 25. 25, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, it's funny because like, I feel like the team winning now, like it looks like, I mean, Mike Trout's having another Mike Trout season. Minus 400 for him. That's the issue. Yeah. And, and he's probably the best, but like the angels aren't going to make the playoffs. And so is that going to make a difference in the voters mind coming down the stretch here? And so I honestly, Lindor at minus four, that, that's not a bad pick. I mean, no, again, I thought I was getting out ahead of it at eight to one, and, and uh, made it look silly a little bit here. But uh, Mookie bets another one, obviously at about plus three hundred. It's just, 
it's Trout's to win every single year. It's the LeBron factor yeah. in baseball. You know, the the saying goes, LeBron can win the MVP every single year, and that's that goes true with Trout as long as he stays healthy. One thing I've noticed is, is the whole buy low, sell high. I mean, Trout was available at like plus one ten when he was in that one for nineteen slump. So I mean, anytime you see a plus money next to Trout's, you got to get in on that because you got, yeah, you got to jump on that. Yeah, he'll pay for your long shots. Is kind of how I look at it. I make I always put Trout in at the beginning of the season at like plus one ten, plus uh, one twenty, just to pay for the long shot bets, and and that's kind of. Uh, situation I take there. But yeah, with that AL Central, I got to say, looking at Cleveland here, not only, I mean, you're right, they're going to have such a big lead, they're going to be sitting guys, but I feel like the rest of that division are all going to be sellers. Yeah. I mean, Detroit's already selling off, Kansas City's already selling off. Uh, It's only a matter of time before uh, Chicago deals like like Abreu and a couple of, you know, it's really looking like the Indians are... I think the Indians are going to be might be in the best shape out of all the American League clubs going into the playoffs. Yeah, because they're going to be able to rest guys. They're they're going to be able to set their rotation of how they exactly how they want it. Where the Yankees and Red Sox might end up canceling each other out down the stretch because they're having to run everybody to avoid that one game playoff. Exactly. So when we look at the AL West, I mean, you got to feel for Seattle a little bit. I mean, even feel for Oakland. I mean, what a division this is, probably the best in baseball next to the A. I mean, it's probably top to bottom is a better division than the AL East only because it's so top heavy in the East. But you got Houston 64-34 with a five-game lead over Seattle at 58-38. and Oakland coming on strong, 54-42, but still nine games back. Angels, uh, two games over 500, and then Rangers uh, bringing up the rear at 41-55, and 22 games back at the break. I mean, when you talk about Houston, I mean, the best starting pitching rotation maybe we've ever seen one through five and they have the depth they they theoretically could move Keuchel put Peacock or Morton in there and uh, I mean again Morton's an all-star um, coming out of the bullpen uh, Seattle finally getting their ace with Paxton obviously Wade LeBlanc Mike Leake and the best closer since Eric Gagne and Diaz looking like he's going to set every single record Oakland as you touched on I mean you probably Casual fans can't really name a guy on that team outside of maybe Manaya and Olsen, and here they are. Angels, obviously, with Trout. Uh, Tyler Skaggs maybe the best pitcher that nobody knows about, but the division is just too tough right now. Yeah, and uh, I feel like the Angels' smart move here is to punt. I, I read really, I forget who reported it, but they said that the Angels were thinking about dealing Skaggs to the Yankees, and they have two more years of club control left. So, Yankee fans, that's not happening. <laughs> I mean, it, it all depends on what the Angels are looking for in return. I mean, the Yankees do have uh, they bringing up Torres. They depleted their depth a little bit, but I mean, money talk. I mean, Skaggs, yeah, at that price, I don't know why they would. I mean, I, I felt he's a frontline starter for a long time, but I think there's yep. some better options on the table for the Yankees. I mean, again, when you talk about the Yankees, you're talking about guys like Syndergaard, Degrom, Patrick Corbin, uh, even Jay Hapsman mentioned there. I don't know why they would get rid of uh, Skaggs, but let's talk about Otani, man. Uh, coming up, looking like he was going to need Tommy John. I don't know if there's anything more surprising or less surprising to me. I mean, I shorted his stock going under nine and a half wins. He doesn't really look like he's, they know exactly when he's going to pitch again, but uh, has this experiment been a success or failure in your mind uh, up until this point in the first half? I mean, it's so unprecedented because we've never, we even, we talk about the only comparison we have to him is Ruth, but even Ruth never really went after being a full-time hitter and pitcher in the same season. Like, like I think his last season with Boston, he kind of was the only one where he had uh, more than 15 starts and more than 15 home runs. Yep. And so when you look at it like through that lens, what we're looking at is unprecedented. How do you bring along a guy like this? Yeah. Are you bringing him along? Like, like, cause he has an impact bat right now. He's their best. I did not, hitter. I did not realize how good his bat was when he, when he first came in. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that's exactly what I thought. I was like, 
okay, we're going to let him hit in spring training, and we'll all realize, uh, just let him throw, because he he's uh, got ungodly stuff in 102-mile-an-hour fastball with the breaking ball and the, the splitter and everything. But no, it's like, I mean, he's the best left-handed hitter on the team. I would have liked to have seen him in this home run derby. I understand why he's not in it, but it would have been really interesting to see him do it. Like, it's he I has that Japanese swing. On one of these things too. Yeah, he has that Japanese swing, that patented moving, uh, running kind of softball swing. That, that, um, so I don't know if it translates, yeah, that, but yeah. That, it's a, exactly. It's like Matsui kind of had it too. It's that left-handed Japanese swing. Like, hello. Ahead. Yep. Good. Okay. I, th- I thought we cut out there for a second. Um, no, you good. But yeah, no, it, it's amazing. So it's like there's no precedent on how to actually bring this along. And I kept thinking, like early on, I was like, well. He might be major league ready as a pitcher, but not a hitter. It might be he's more ready as a hitter than a pitcher at this point, just because he doesn't have the innings built up in his arm to really go the 200 innings that you're expecting him to do in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, his arm gave out at what? 60 innings, whatever it was this year? Yeah. Well, and you got to remember, he only pitched like 23, 24 innings last year in Japan, I believe. Right. Uh, He had a knee injury that had – it wasn't an arm injury. But yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's like – I. I've almost thought of, okay, now do you move him to the bullpen? But if you move him to the bullpen, you don't have him as a DH. Yeah, that's not and so, And so I, I'm thinking maybe use him as a DH, but maybe have him available out of the bullpen on days of left-handed starters pitching for the other team. Yeah, I mean, that might be the move. I mean, the, the, God, I mean, him coming out with Tommy John, it's so interesting if, if that is, uh, ends up what hap- with what's going to happen with him because you're going to lose that bat as well. And obviously with that big bat in the lineup behind Trout – it obviously it handcuffs you a little bit because they want him to pitch. I think they want him to pitch more than they can hit. Obviously, he was getting absolutely yeah. killed in spring training, but obviously none of that mattered. So it's a really unique situation. Again, you touched it. There's no precedent. So I don't think that anybody knows exactly what to do and how to handle him right now. Yeah, there's there's no like road to follow that has proven in the, proven in the past here. So like we're just completely tapping on uncharted waters. One thing I got to say is, Going into this season, the Angels had eight or nine guys that could be ten, potentially big league starters. But not, in addition, like Shoemaker hasn't been able to pitch much this year. Uh, like, like Garrett Richards is now down for another Tommy John surgery. Uh, Nick Tropiano down for a tro- Tommy John surgery. The Angels are leading the league in Tommy John surgery. So it's kind <laughs> of a, it, it's amazing how many. If you look over the last six seasons, like five six seasons, it's amazing how many guys they've had going to the surgery the night. Uh, I, I kind of think like. Maybe you got to get a new team doctor. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a throwing program. That's going to be something. And obviously, these J- Japanese guys have such an issue coming back because they pitch on six days rest. Yeah, and and they they what they only play like 115 games in Japan. Yeah. So I mean, the season's so much shorter, and there's that going into it. It's just so weird. Like I didn't think that I thought that Otani, what the Angels really needed was that ace that can set the top for the rest of these pitchers to follow in line and figure out who's going to be bullpen guys. But now. What we've seen, like at the halfway point here, is I feel like, well, he's the best left-handed hitter we have on the team. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, maybe we're better off just having him DH the rest of the year. Uh, who knows? This is, and now that Pujols is on the DL, who knows? Yeah, I mean that team got old quick when you look down the line. I mean Pujols, Kinsler. Uh, I mean, again, they don't have much starting pitching right now. And uh, the smart move with Houston in that division, they're not going to get the second wild card. So. Uh, as much as it's going to hurt Angels fans, they need to punt the season away, I think, and become sellers. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, you could sell. And you, it doesn't have to be a full-on sell, but you can get rid of Kozar, Kinsler, these guys on the short-term deals that they brought in anyway. You know, none of the main pieces that they have. But, like, Martin Maldonado, who's a gold glove catcher that a lot of teams would like to have for a pennant race. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, let's break it down in uh, AL. What, um, obviously, we touched on kind of the divisions, but let's just break it down and kind of talk about the best bets. AL pennant right now. The favorite is the Red Sox, plus 225. Yankees, plus 250. Astros, plus 225. Indians, 5-1. to one. Mariners, 7-1. to one. Uh, Any best bets, any long shots there? I mean, obviously, I can kind of break it down all the way. Uh, Mariners kind of stuck out to me as something from a strictly... Uh, hedging perspective, but that price is all the way down at seven to one. Um, well, and Paxton just went on the DL. Yep. Now, I don't know. I don't know how serious that injury is because a lot of times teams will put a guy on the DL right before the All Star break because you can burn a few days off there and open up a roster spot and bring him right back after the All Star break. Especially now that they converted the ten day DL over the fifteen day DL. Right. So who really knows? Like, if is that injury serious? But if he's out until August, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of selling on them. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think best bet for it to win the AL right now? Uh, best bet to win the AL? You know, I, I kind of like the Red Sox there. Plus 225. It's funny, man, Plus. because you can kind of go back and forth. What I've been doing is every single time that one of those two teams gets hot and be, the other team becomes a little bit of an underdog, I've been betting them to win the AL East. And I have, you know, various plus 110 to plus 130s on the Yankees and Red Sox just flip flopped, and I'm just arbing it uh, and just betting them each time to win the AL East because they're going back and forth between minus 120 and plus 130, uh, all the way up to plus 150 uh, back and forth right now. And that's kind of forgetting to win the AL right now is what. I've been doing is just playing them to win the AL East because it's basically like, half the price. That, I mean, that, that, is, that is half the price. And also, like, one thing I'm going to kind of do here is I'm going to sell on Houston because the, the, over the since the Yankees of the early 2000s, only the Royals have won back to back American League pennants. That team is going to be the team to do it if there is one, though. I'll tell you that. And they, no, that no, that's true. But it's like, since we just haven't seen this that much, and I love, and I know the it's Yankees a little bit of a new up. team, though. I mean, they got better from last year. Yeah, they, they did. And it's just it's also not the same pieces, not the same magic. I think last year they had a little bit more something to play for down the stretch of the hurricane and everything. Yep. Like there there was a lot going on there. Big where, tragedy guy. I am a big tragedy guy. Bet, betting on yeah. teams coming off tragedy has proven to be one of the most profitable things in sports. And it seems kind of dark. It seems kind of, you know, yeah. shitty <laughs> things to do. But when you look down the line, the Red Sox off the Boston Marathon bombings, Houston off Hurricane Harvey, obviously the standard is uh, the Saints and Katrina and people. People forget, Katrina, the, yeah. people forget the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vegas shooting. I mean, it's a real thing when you put a city on your back like that. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And like it, it, cause it, at that point too, it matters outside of just the sport. Right. And there's, there's, there's a human element to it, which becomes a good story, which like casual fans jump on board a lot more than the diehards only would. And it just, I think the momentum train starts rolling there. Uh, but yeah, I just don't feel Houston. Hey, Houston's as good as anybody. But I know the Yankees and Red Sox are both going to load up before the deadline. I don't know that about Houston. I think they pretty much made all their moves in the offseason. Yeah, the thing is, is that one through one through seven, when you factor in Morton and Peacock, I really feel if Houston wants to, to do the right thing here, they're going to put Keuchel in the bullpen or trade Keuchel and put uh, either Morton, McHugh, or Peacock in the rotation. And I mean, they are le- I mean, they're sub one and a half ERA guys right now with fourteen K fourteen point four five K through nines right now. Well, and that's a really scary thought, too, is like, can you imagine if they end up flipping Keiko to the Yankees? Right. And and loading up on prospects. Of course, he's a free agent at the end of this year. They're all in. Uh, I don't think they want prospects. They want win now. But it, it's one of those things where can you imagine if they're, you're able to get prospects and still make your team better <laughs> in, a, in a way when it's a guy you're probably going to be losing at the free agent at, 
free agency at the end of this year. Yeah, to me, it's just I think that they're in such a win now moment. Um, to, I think they know what they have in this window. I mean, you know, baseball windows, man. They close. I mean, look at the Royals; they close so quickly. Uh, so I don't even think that they are with the entertain prospects. I think they want expiring contracts, win now type of guys. Uh, and Keuchel is as good as anybody because again, he's going to leave um, most likely. I mean, I know he, he's kind of been the heart and soul of that Houston team for so long, but at the end of the day, numbers kind of rain out. I think, you know, it was really funny going back to that California league all-star game. I went to, uh, it's only been a Colorado single A team in Lancaster for the last couple of years. They were a Houston, uh, farm club before that. And I was looking at their wall of fame and it's literally like Springer, Altuve, yeah. Correa, Al Keiko. And you see it like, and they don't have many names on that, but already like there's like five, six Astros already on that wall. It was like, wow. Like, and these guys are still young, big leaders at that. So this team's not going anywhere for a while. Completely and, agree. And they, they have, like, you know, people kind of forget Houston's the fourth biggest media market in the country. Uh, like, like, they have the money to keep these guys together. The same, but, you know, we were saying the same thing about the Cubs a couple years ago. And so, who, who knows what's going to happen? There's, there's so many different things. And the Cubs, hey, you want to talk about the National League at all here? Yeah, I just want to bring this down real quick. To me, the best bet is the Indians at five to one. Um, again, obviously, I'm all in on Houston, and I'm all in on on Indians at five to one. That price is ridiculous for a team that's not going to have to essentially play a starter the last month of the season if they didn't want to. They're going to sit down Carrasco. They're going to sit down Kluber. Andrew Miller hasn't pitched this whole season. Cody Allen did just blow a save in a spectacular fashion, letting up seven earned runs the other night. Uh, but he's locked down, and if they get a nice piece at the at the trade deadline to boost that bullpen. Maybe a fourth, third, fourth starter because I'm not completely sold on Bauer uh, and those guys. But if they get one, I think they're one piece away from that price dropping significantly. So to me, the two best is, the, is is because the Red Sox, for everything that we talk about and how good they are, they're starting pitching. They just lost Eduardo Rodriguez for likely the year. Uh, torn couple, I think he tore his Achilles today or, or yesterday, whatever it was that he pitched. Uh, so he's going to be gone. It, so again, when you look past the sale, Porcello, Price, they can't stack up to me against uh, the starting pitching of the Astros. Do you look at Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and everything else that they have going on um, there? So to me, Houston and the Indians are the two best bets out of the AL. I see. I, I was saying Red. I think Red Sox. Even for some reason, just because I really feel like JD Martinez's bat has brought that missing element that they didn't have last year when they lost to Houston. Are you worried about their pitching like I am? Their starting pitching? Not really. You know David Price in the playoffs, my friend. I do, but I also understand that uh, I like Boston's bullpen, and I just think they're going to make a couple of pitching moves here in the next couple of weeks. I, I think I, I, I understand how this front office works, and uh, they're, they're def- they, they understand their weakness. They're going to go for it. They're going to get the pitching that they need. Uh, well, I mean, is it going to be a Hugh Darvish situation with the Dodgers last year where he ends up costing him the Game 7 of the World what Series? What a fucking disaster he's been this year, too. <laughs> Who knows? But... Uh, but I, uh, but also I do like the Indians there at five to one. I feel like, like you said, they don't have to really play a competitive game down those final weeks, and they're going to be able to rest up, get that rotation right, get that bullpen right, save Andrew Miller's bullets, and just let him fire all because he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year too. Yep. So if you think they're they're not going to ride him in October, you're crazy. Yep. I mean, he's still kind of, I think his injuries this year have a lot to do with him being ridden into the ground. So for him to get basically a whole year off and come in healthy to the playoffs is going to be absolutely huge. But you're yep. right, man. So let's break into the National League. Uh, kind of st- 
stories, um, anything that sticks out to you as a whole, to me, um, when we break this down, I mean, the turnaround of the Dodgers. Nobody kind of held more Dodgers futures than me, and, and I thought it was kind of a lost season for them. Obviously, I mean, they were at uh, plus 300, plus 400 to win their division when Arizona got off to this torrid start they had. And I make no mistake about it, I attribute Arizona's success to one person this year, and it's Patrick Corbin coming on looking like the ace. He did get kind of roughed up a little bit today, uh, but he has been just the, that missing link. Uh, he's been that true ace, that Grinky and Robbie Ray and Shelby Miller have just not been able to do. Uh, but again, we touched on the baby Braves. To me, let's start off with the NL East. I mean, Philadelphia may be the more impressive story when you really think about it because they're doing it with less talent. But in the NL East, you have Philadelphia with a one-and-a-half game lead over Atlanta. Washington, 47-48 and 48 in third place. And the Mets, and four, Mets and the lowly Marlins in fourth and fifth place. Anything stick out to you there? Obviously, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I, I love Philadelphia. I, I said that on the preview episode at the beginning of the year. And I said, like, I think that Jerry, Jake Arrieta signing really reminds me of the Cubs getting John Lester. Yep. Where it's that we have this young core, this young team we're going to be built around going forward. Let's get this ace pitcher now. Let's start kicking this. Let's start trying to compete now. You know, let's let's get a guy that can show that's, that's been there, that's won, won the ring, knows how to do it. And... Signed very cheap up. too. I think he was a hometown yeah. guy. I think he grew up in Philadelphia. Or something I think, like yeah, that. yeah. I think he, I, I know he came, originally came up with Baltimore. Yep. So I mean, he's got some some experience there in the Mid Atlantic. I, I don't know. You really look at uh, um, what Philly's done with their prospects because I thought Mikhail Franco was going to be a guy that played factor for them at third this year. Yeah. He's been, he had to option him down. So it's like the fact that they're he's got a little Haley Ramirez in him, and I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like the worst of both him and Pablo Sandoval. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing happened with uh, Herrera as well. Yeah, but I I really like looking at this Philly club. There's there's a like I like Hoskins, I like Crawford, I like a lot of these young guys. Um, I really think they need to stand pat here at the deadline, though. They shouldn't be trying to give up too much to try and win now, even though the National League is wide open. It's wide open this year, and especially in that East. But there's no need to sacrifice a couple key farm pieces they have now for just a run this year. When I think next year, I think in 1920, they're really going to be competing. Yep. And make no mistake about it. Aaron Nola may be the best pitcher in the national league at this point. Absolutely. You know, I mean, he, you know, and he had really good stuff last year. That was one of those things. I don't think people were catching on to. It was like, it was, like I said, it, it really reminds me of the Cubs where he was what Arietta was before Lester got there. Yep. And, and then that other guy that can bump him down a spot in the rotation and give him a little bit easier matchups, and, and you're starting to see the benefits of that. Yep, we talk about it. The one-two punch is so valuable, be not even because of the one. It, the, when you have a better second and third starting pitcher than another team's second and third, it, it just means so much because you don't have to go up against that ace. When we talk about Atlanta, I mean, Akuna, we touched on him at the beginning and we did that uh, season preview podcast. Mike Trout Jr., I mean, the kid is out of this world. It doesn't stop there with their big three with Albies. And I mean, my God, this this baby Braves team may be the funnest team. It is. It's the most fun team to watch every day in, day out. Their pitching staff, Obviously, again, they're they're so young with Fulty, uh, Sean Newcomb. I think Annabelle Sanchez is out there dealing right now, and Tehran has been the worst out of them, which is saying something. Yeah, that definitely saying something because I mean he's he was the guy there for a while. Um, Akuna is a guy where I drafted him in one of my leagues this year, and literally sat him on the bench the, the first few weeks, and, and I was immediately rewarded day one. Yep, it, you know uh, he's one of those kind of it's. It's funny to say him and Trout are like generational talents when technically they've only come up six years apart. But that's what we're looking at here. I mean, we're looking at some 
we're looking at a kid who could really play. And with Washington bringing be up better Soto, than Manny Ramirez, he's that good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Manny Ramirez with speed would be a kind of a good way to describe it. Yeah. All right, so Nationals, Mets, 47-48 for the Nationals, Mets. My God, they started the year. What was it? They started like 14-1, and one, two, something like that. Um, it was absolutely crazy, and both teams. Yes, they had some. Go ahead. I, I, wish I, I wish I would have sold on the Mets when they had that start. Yeah, I think everybody would have. Be- because uh, just at that point was the best point you were going to get a price on Washington, Atlanta, or Philly. When the Mets had that big start, and <laughs> the Mets are just so the Mets though, and I saw, thought I saw this going in. They're literally trotting out a lineup that was would have looked great in 2012. Yeah, Adrian Gonzalez uh, in who's 2018. Been released. Everyone, yep. It's yep, so bad, you know, like Jay Bruce. Uh, you know, it's like yeah, that that lineup is insane. Six years ago, but and I feel like that's what the Mets do. Yeah, exactly. Like the Mets do that though. They. they it's like it almost goes back to like we just celebrated Bobby Bonilla Day a couple weeks ago. <laughs> just got, <laughs> the, he's still getting paid, you know. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bonilla still gets two million a year from the Mets every July second or whatever. I mean, it that is so the Mets where they get these guys that are past their prime, done it were somewhere else, but they feel like the name value holds up in recognition somehow. I, I don't know what they're doing, and it's sad because just look back three years ago, that team that made the World Series run. Yep. Where you look at that pitching staff and you go, oh my god, how are they gonna how are they gonna lose it coming up in here in the next couple of years? Like they have all these aces, they they're gonna be able to match up. All they need to do is let some young farm guys develop, and they trade those guys away. They replace them with older. I mean, you almost feel like the Mets are just start over, blow it up. It's the it's, <laughs> it's the blueprint of what not to do for teams like Philadelphia and the Braves and all these. And Absolutely. It's the exact Absolutely. blueprint of what not to do. Uh, and it, it's so weird because you touched on that. When you look at it, I mean, Harvey was the best out of the three, and that's really the only piece that they've lost. I mean, to put this into perspective, Jacob deGrom is the best. I, t- I said it, maybe Nola, it's Jacob deGrom. His stuff is Pedro Martinez-esque right now. He His windup is even mirroring Pedro Martinez. He is, uh, in the last, I think, 16 starts, uh, he has a po- less than one ERA, 0.97, and the Mets are... T- Two and twelve in his last fourteen starts with a .97 ERA. I mean that is next level bad. Out of those t- uh, fourteen starts, ten of them have been zero to zero in the fifth. I mean it's it's stats yeah. that you don't think can be real, but the Mets just again it's it's how you run a franchise into the ground when it burn, it looks so great uh, coming up. Yeah, when you have young young pitching is the most valuable thing to have in Major League Baseball. The more young arms you stockpile. The more, because usually you're going to have to go out of your way to kind of buy an arm here or there if you really want to compete. But if you can develop your own homegrown pitching staffs, you can, you know, work around some pieces. Maybe trade for a young hitter. I think they should have traded like a guy like Wheeler or Harvey when their their value is a little higher for some some offense to balance out the Grom and Syndergaard early on. Because they, I mean, they have that they had that depth, but now it's like. I mean, Harvey's already gone. Uh, whatever happened to Wheeler? <laughs> you don't yeah, even hear injuries. his name. Yeah, Gaselman, Wheeler, all those uh, 
kind of the three, four, five or four, five starters, they they shit the bed too. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And it just you can't put that much pressure on them. And it just it was such a blueprint on what not to do. But when we look at this, let's break this down quickly in the last two divisions, and then we'll talk about the NL futures before we break into the All Star break and the home run derby and the All Star game. NL Central Cubs, not a surprise to chalk there, fifty four and thirty eight. Milwaukee Brewers have been such a good surprise this year, fifty five and forty two. They were leading the division not too long ago at some some pretty good uh, plus odds just to win the NL. Central, falling back a little bit, one and a half games. St. Louis just firing Mike Matheny after all the clubhouse drama, and then Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, uh, four and five. You were a little bit high on Cincinnati uh, coming into the year. I thought they were still a little bit... Uh, to me, Cincinnati is much like the Mets, a, t- a franchise and a team. I was just never going to get there. Uh, but again, we look at the top. Cubs, Milwaukee, and St. Louis. Anything of note there? Uh, you know what? I got to say, Milwaukee made some interesting moves this offseason, getting like Yelich, Kane, and where they already had a pretty loaded outfield and some young guys move around. But, like, Eric Thames is a big guy for them last year who's disappeared now. We have Aguilar emerging. Like, they're, they're so deep on the corner. In his defense, he's been hurt. He's back on the DL now when he spent eight weeks on the yeah. DL with a finger. So, I mean, he, when he's been in there, he's been good. I mean, he still does have 13 home runs, and I believe it's, like, 80 home, uh, at-bats. So, I mean, he's just been injuries. But, like, I look at them, and they're a team that, that's really interesting to me because I feel like they have depth, a lot of depth on the corner. And with that, they could probably package something for a pitcher coming down the stretch here where, I don't know, maybe a guy like DeGrom, let's say. If the Mets are looking at dealing him, I think the Brewers can make an interesting package for him. And that could be a game changer down the stretch. Not too long ago, I mean, people forget. They were they got Sabathia before he signed with the Yankees. I mean, they've been known when they when they have it, they will go all in and make they, a run. They will go all That's exactly what this year reminds me of with the Brewers. It's yeah. like not many people thought that they were going to try to compete that year. They go out and get Sabathia, and he was just on five. I mean, I remember he hit like three home runs for him that year. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to going like 13 to one. Like, I mean, yeah. it was absolute dominance. And I could see them making that kind of move. Look, the Cubs have the Cubs have one of the better defensive lineups in the ba- in baseball. And when those guys don't hit, their defense still doesn't slump. So they're gonna be able to stay in this division down the stretch. The Cardinals getting rid of Matheny. Wow. Wow, because this guy has won pretty consistently since being there, and they haven't always been the best team in that division. And he's consistently got them either in. Hey, if, if you're in it in the final two weeks of the playoffs every year, you're doing something right. Yeah, that was a clubhouse thing. That that had nothing to do with him winning and losing. He lost the clubhouse with the Bud Norris situation, though. Yeah, and you know what? That kind of stuff happens. Uh, what I think is funny about it is they get rid of not only him but like their top two hitting coaches. Yeah, Bill Miller. Shout out to him, breaking the curse. Yeah, Bill Miller and uh, John Mabry. So you look at that, and there's some dysfunction there. Let's see if this new guy comes in and rallies the troops. I don't think so. I think it's going to be between the Cubs and Brewers down the stretch. And for some reason, I got this feeling the Brewers are going to pull off some Sabathia-type trade. Yeah, I agree. And they they have one of the best uh, first power hitting first baseman in the game with Aguilar. When you package him with yep. a 2020 guy in Christian Yelich, who uh, everything that they thought he could be in that ballpark, he's been that and more. And again, Thames on the DL now, but with the all-star break, it doesn't look like it's going to be too bad. So, I mean, the pop in that lineup, they remind me a little bit of Astros. They have some high OBP yeah. guys, and then they have the power in the back. Well, look at a guy like Domingo Santana on that team who's Lorenzo struggling Kane, to yeah. get at bats. And I mean, Domingo was a 30 home run guy a year ago. Right. And he's struggling to get at bats in that lineup now. That shows you how deep they are. And I re- especially when you get down to like September, where a lot of these teams are bringing up their 40 man rosters and there's a lot of moving around. You know, it, uh, 
you, you look at what the Brewers have, they almost have a 40-man roster on a 25-man roster, if that makes any sense. But they have that kind of deep depth that, like you said, they're, they're kind of like the poor man's National League Astros. Yep. That's a really good way of putting it. Totally agree. All right, NL West, Arizona with a half-game lead, 53-43. and 43. They have finally found their identity. The Dodgers, who were absolutely atrocious, are now 52-43 and 43 with a, being a half-game out. And Colorado, a little bit of an upstart there at 50-45 and 45 with two-and-a-half. Uh, I'm not going to really touch on San Francisco and, and the, um, the Padres. Just not a lot to talk about between those two teams. But let's break this down from kind of from the bottom up with Colorado, L.A., and Arizona. Shout out Trevor Story, 25, ho- 25 and a half home run total on the air. He's at 22 right now, and he's going to break my heart because for the first year in three years, I didn't bet it. So, of course, that one's going to go over. <laughs> I, lost it. I lost his home run total by the hook last year because of a two-week injury. Uh, and the Dodgers, I've been, I've, been so, I've been so obsessed, for lack of a better term, with the Dodgers this year because I thought that the value was just always there again. They were 4-1, to 3-1 to one to win their division uh, at certain points during the year. I'm so impressed with what Arizona has done now that they have the three-headed monster in Shelby Miller coming back of Patrick Corbin, Zane Greinke, and Robbie Ray. Pollock has kind of fallen off again, been hurt like always. Goldschmidt up and down. The Dodgers, to me, are the pick in the NL West. What do you think? I was high on Arizona going in. I was kind of down on the Dodgers going in to this year. Uh, and only because it's just, hey, when you lose a heartbreaking seven-game World Series like that, it tends to have an after-effect a lot of times. Yep. It, it just... He's kind of stumbled the next year. And who would have expected the Dodgers to have this many injuries early on? Uh, you know, what's funny is I've been to more Dodgers games this year than I've been to in years. I've been to like six already this year. And they lost the first few. But I was at the game where Justin Turner came back, his first game back. And ever since then, their lineup has been a lot better. They did lose that one. And that also happened to be dollar, $1 all-you-can-eat Dodger dog night, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Like I wish they, I wish they would have done the like the Nathan style hot dog eating contest for Dodger Stadium Dollar Night, where yeah. we can watch these guys just throw it down. But uh, no, like looking at the Dodgers, like I feel like there's a lot to like with them, but just the fact that they're finally healthy, getting healthy. Yep. And they have more guys coming back, so down the stretch, I feel like they're gonna be there. But man, Arizona, you you can't deny what they've. You said Patrick Corbin. Uh, Robbie Ray's been battling injuries all year, but it, it hasn't really affected them. Um, I do think the Do- I mean, the Dodgers have the resources where they're going to go for it again at the trade deadline. Like they do every year. And they have, they have the money and they have the prospects to be able to do it. But it, to me, it's still hard for me to pick anybody but the Dodgers. I, I, I'm sorry. Nope. Definition of a buy low. I touched on this in the weekly first to third articles all season long. I couldn't quit this team and I just kept buying them as the price increased. And uh, I'm going to have to buy a little bit back on Arizona just because I'm, I'm so deep into Dodgers. And again, I was, that was my pick in the NL to win the, or to go to the world series again, uh, along with Cleveland in the AL. Justin Turner changes his team. And when you look at the pitching rotation, yep. Julio Urias is going to change that rotation. Walker Bueller has been great from a prospect perspective. And when he's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, they have the tools to go. I know I wrote this up on, again, not to plug first, the third of this bunch here, uh, the weekly articles I write up on, kind of the news and notes and everything from a gambling perspective in the MLB. I wrote up that I thought that it was a, a fair assumption, not an assumption, but it wasn't as outlandish as you might think of for the Washington Nationals to trade Bryce Harper. And there was no better team more equipped to handle that and get him than the Dodgers because they could package a Urias, a Walker Bueller. They have another stud uh, prospect in the infield. I forget his Even name. Even like a Ver- Ver- get Verdugo in there, you yeah. know, like, yeah. 
and it was just to me it made the most sense. Now I'm not telling you to, to go buy national or uh, Dodger tickets, uh, Dodger futures because they're going to get uh, Bryce Harper. It's not going to happen. But they have so much more impressive than what they do in free agency is the prospects that they always seem to have. All they do is deplete their system, but these guys just keep coming up in the LA system, and I, and I don't get how they keep doing it. Urias again. Much like Justin Turner changed that lineup, your eyes to me is going to change that rotation. And so to me, it's the definition of a buy low. Again, they're about they're even money, minus 110 to win their division right now. I think that's a great bet because Arizona is kind of in uncharted waters. And Corbin and all that rotation, all they're going to do is get better and they're going to get some new free agents and prospects coming up. So to me, it has to be the Dodgers there. Well, and look, at, here's one thing about the Dodgers I think people overlook is when you have, like, okay, yeah, they, they've spent more money than any team in the last few years. And They've been able to take, and if you want to use like corporate terms, like they've had more sunken costs, and they understand how to use sunken costs, maybe better than any team in Major League Baseball right now. But they have they built the farm system while doing that, which is almost impossible. Right. But almost more important than anything, you get these guys like Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, that weren't expected to be prospects. How about Matt so, Kemp? Yeah, Matt Kemp coming back. Like they get these kind of moves, where like it's those like like almost like uh, peripheral moves they make that actually end up being the biggest things. I was at the game a couple weeks ago where Matt Kemp uh, had five hits and they pulled him out. And like, they were up 17 to one against Pittsburgh. And so I was like, okay, well I'm going to leave now because I don't have a chance to watch this guy go for six for six. Like that's exciting. Right. I've never, I've never seen a guy go, go for a six hit game in real life, but uh, yeah, like, like look at Matt, Max Muncy. Like remember when they picked up Logan Forsyth a couple years ago and they figured him and Utley would be the right platoon at second. Now Max Muncy's in the friggin' home run derby. <laughs> 20, 2022 home runs, whatever it is. You know, like if I would, how many Dodger fans do you think could name Max Max Muncy during spring training this year? Mm-hmm. And and now the guy's absolutely raking. You know, it's like it's the fact that they have one of the smartest front offices ever in the history of baseball, with like the collection of geniuses they have up there that have done it in all kinds of different situations all over Major League Baseball. It's Moneyball with with the fact that they can spend. It's, yeah, it's money ball with money. Yep. And like, and like, like I always think like the Red Sox finding David Ortiz was one of the best like scrap heat pickup moves of all time. But the Dodgers seem to like pull these guys, like not obviously these guys aren't David Ortiz, but like Chris Taylor was a huge contributor last year. Max Muncie is a huge, Justin Turner's done it for a few years for them now. So the, they keep finding Bollinger is 22 years old. I mean, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, you and know, they're doing it without Seager. Yeah, without Seager. You know, he's like, so it's like when you hear about them maybe trading for Machado, well, that kind of makes sense because they have the, the capital, everything to do it. And they could possibly keep him if he's willing to maybe play third or Seager's willing to move the third. You know, like, well, he's out for the year. But, I mean, yeah, going forward, somebody yeah, would move. Going it would forward probably, for next it would year. Be, it would be Seager that, that would move to third base, I think. Machado has no desire to play third. He's, he's said over yeah. and over. I think both of them are third basemen deep down, but that's just me. And that's also looking at defensive metrics. Yeah. All right. So let's break this down from a uh, pennant perspective. Futures, Dodgers and Cubs co-favorites at plus 300. Diamondbacks at plus 700. Braves all the way down to plus 900. uh, Sorry. And uh, Phillies at plus 600. God, some of these numbers seem very low to me. Uh, And the Brewers at plus 700. Uh, uh, One more thing I do want to touch on is if you're not betting Nolan Arenado uh, over 35 and a half home runs every single year, you need a little bit more help gambling than we can give you. So that one is... There was a stretch where Miguel Cabrera cashed over 30 and a half for, I believe, nine out of 10 years. Arenado's going to be that guy now. So invest your capital every single year in Arenado over as long as they hi- they line it at 35 and a half. I got to see Arenado play for the first time this year at Dodger Stadium. It was my first time seeing him play live. And the guy, oh, he makes my baseball pants jingle, my friend. That glove is unreal. Am- 
Yeah, that's the thing is, man, he, his glove at third base, like Brooks Robinson never hit like that and fielded like that. Mike Schmidt never fielded like that and hit like that. We're, we're watching a very special third baseman here. And third base is actually the most underrepresented position in the Hall of Fame. How about that fun there's, fact from your boy Scott Bowser? <laughs> there's, there's fewer guys at third base. But when you look at it, like most stud third baseman, if you're that big of a great slugger, you're usually a first baseman or an outfielder. Uh, if you're that good of an infielder, you're rarely that big of a slugger. It's usually like a rejected shortstop that's at third. Yep. That can, that can hit a little bit more. And so, yeah, I think there's only 17. Like, oh, God, I, I don't have it in my left my tablet in front of me anymore. But I think there's only 17 third basemen in the Hall of Fame, something like that. That's and crazy. if you look at like, it's very top heavy where it's like George Brett, Mike Schmidt, and then there's a big fall off. Right. He's the guy. But, uh, he, he is. He's the generational third baseman. And from he, a, he's incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. If you ever get a chance to go see him live, go do it. <laughs> yeah. And from an MVP perspective, plus 200 for Arenado, plus 200 for Freddie Freeman as the co-favorites right now at the break. And to me, one guy plays a course, but who, the Braves are much more likely to make the playoffs. So it has to be kind of what's more important to you. And obviously Atlanta has a six-game lead over uh, Braves from a playoff perspective. Obviously not in the same division, but that's what the stats are right now. Uh, so what do you think best bet to win the NL right now? Uh, you know what? I kinda, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like the Brewers at that plus 700 there. I feel like their depth and their, their organization's willingness to make a move this year I feel like that, that they they could do this, and it's it's pretty wide open in the NFL. And uh, I also like the Braves there too. I mean, I maybe do a couple small plays on some of those lower level teams. The Cubs and Dodgers, as high as they are, it's only because they're the last two National League champions. If you look at both those teams right now, would you really take them go, winning multiple rounds of the playoffs? And the Dodgers aren't even guaranteed to go in right now. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is uh, God, when I, when it, the NL is so wide open this year, um, obviously, I mean, the AL is too with Houston, the Red Sox, the Yankees, even Seattle. But when you look at the NL, but it's very top heavy. Yeah. yeah the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers, the, the national league is, is kind of the opposite. There's no one leading team, uh, and everyone is kind of in the mix. And so to me, the, the, I completely agree with your scenario on this, but let me ask you this. Would you rather take the Brewers plus 700 to win the NL or would you rather take them at plus 175 plus 200 to win their division right now? I'd rather take them at plus 700 for the NL. Yeah, because they get the safety of the wild card. I, I, I could see them sneaking through the wild card, and you're going to get a much better value on that. Yeah. Phillies at plus 600 is it's crazy to think that team is only yeah, that's Yeah, that's way too low. And as much as I've been on their bandwagon this year, it's way too low for me. And real quick, let's give Gabe Kapler some credit because he took a beating earlier this season. Yeah. <laughs> him out of town. And, and like they wanted to run him after, out of town after one or two weeks of the season. And you look now, like, who are, what other managers have really had that team competing like that right now? Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot. I really don't. Look at Dave, look, look at what Dave Martinez has done with Washington. I mean, uh, you can't say he's upgraded from Dusty Baker. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Again, uh, this is to me the plays take a couple of long shots uh, and play the division bets because everything is so tight. And I know you're not yeah. going to get that payout, but you don't have to worry about hedging, nothing like that. So to me, Dodgers at, I believe they're like minus 130 right now. They were, again, plus 300, plus 400. That's what they are to win the NL now. So hopefully some of you uh, kind of bought low on them. Nationals, uh, to me, they're just in, it's not their time. They're in a, a too tough division. Cubs. Again, it, this is hard to say before these teams make their moves, but the other side of that is this is going to be the best price. So to me, by default, I'm just going to stick with what I had at the beginning of the season, and that is Dodgers in the NL and Cleveland in the AL. 
You know, I feel like the Cubs aren't going to be as aggressive going towards the deadline this year as they have been in years past. They're handcuffed because they got Darvish for the next 40 years. Yep, and, and the fact that, hey, hey, they won that. They won it. Yeah. They got that World Series ring, and then there's not as, quite as much pressure on that front office to deliver. And you're better. You're, they're better off maybe waiting until a free agency this offseason. They're going to have a lot of guys coming up for arbitration in the next couple of years here. And that's going to definitely change the, the, the landscape of that Cubs roster. It's it's going to look a lot different coming up here. And they've also gutted some prospects out over the last few years. I mean, they gave up a lot to get Quintana last year. Don't forget, Glaber Torres was on that team, and I think that's who they gave up for Chapman. And, you know, and, like, and Quintana might be their most important one move they made the last couple of years because that was a pitching move they made that had some more club control to give them. Yeah. And that's, that's always important. If you're going to give up prospects for a pitcher, you better get more than two months out of that pitcher. What's your World Series? My World Series right now? Oh, you know what? I got socks going against the Diamondbacks. Oh, Diamondbacks. I like it. And as I did in the beginning of the year, I have Cleveland and the Dodgers. All right. Well, this was supposed to be an AL uh, Home Run Derby AL All-Star Game podcast, but we, we kind of went crazy on the – the news and notes from the first half of the season, and I, I couldn't be happier about it. So let's break this down for the 2018 Home Run Derby. But before we do that, let's pay some bills. The Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get picks from the supercomputer that you can't find anywhere else. All right, man, 2018 All-Star Game. There's not an official line hung on Vegas right now, but everything that I'm seeing kind of offshore in other books is the American League at minus 110 and the National League at plus 110. So let's break this down from their uh, rosters, and then we can kind of go in there and kind of do our do our thing. So on the AL, let me bring these up right now. We have... Oh, man, oh, great pass. Sorry, I, I'm... I'm I'm trying to uh, call up. I had to, yeah, we got this, right? Yep, I have. American League starters. Salvador Perez, Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, Jose Ramirez, a lot of Jose's, Manny Machado, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and J.D. Martinez. The reserves, Jan Gomes, Wilson Ramos, Mitch Moreland, Gleyber Torres, not in there, Jed Lowry, Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, which is kind of crazy. Lindor is not even starting the All-Star game. Michael Brantley back in the All-Star game. Sinsu Chu, Mitch Hanniger, George Springer, and Nelson Cruz. On the pitching side, we have Trevor Bauer, Jose Barrios, Chapman, Garrett Cole, Edwin Diaz, J.A. Happ, Joe Jimenez, He's the lone star of the Tigers, obviously. Craig Krimble, Corey Kluber, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, Severino, Snell, Trinan, and Verlander. Final all-star uh, vote-getter was Gene Segura. National League, Wilson Contreras, Freddie Freeman, Baez, Nolan Arenado, Brandon Crawford, Nick Marquegas, Matt Kemp, and Bryce Harper. Reserves, Molina, Posley, Ramuto, Goldschmidt, Votto, Albies, Scooter Gannett, Eduardo Suarez, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich, and these pitchers. We have Lester, Mikolas, shout out to Mike Miles Mikolas, it's been great this year. Aaron Nola, Matt Scherzer, Ross Stripling, Felipe Vasquez, Corbin, DeGrom. Uh, final vote getter there, Jesus Aguilar from the Brewers. All right, man. Uh, at a glance, who has the better roster start to bottom here, or top to bottom? <laughs> Do I really need to say it? I, I think the American League. I mean, just look at that. Look at the outfield they're going to be trotting out there. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous. It is. It, you, know, it, it, you know, it's it's like I used to play in a fantasy league that did like the 
like the dream fantasy. We do, used to do a side bet every year of the dream fantasy where you try to pick, pick – everybody could have the same roster technically, but you just try to see who would be the best at the end of the year. Yep. And, and that's the kind of team that the American League has this year. I mean, and it's not surprisingly considering that half the National League top players were traded to the American League this last offseason. <laughs> It makes sense, like you know. And when I say that, I mean Giancarlo Stanton pretty much by himself. Like yeah. that, that that totally changes the dynamic of this thing. Whereas you have this like Ruthian slugger that's going off for the National League. He's now just there with all the other studs in the American League. I, I feel like it's unfair. Are we going to are we going to give our pick for the game right now? Yeah, well, let's just play this. Let me talk a little bit about this. I will say the reserves on the AL side are far less superior outside of Lindor than the National League ones when you break that down. Um, but again, I mean, obviously it's going to come into play later on. Uh, so, I mean, th- let's talk about the pitching in the AL. I mean, when you look at this, Blake Snell, Luis Severino, Chris Sale, yeah. Charlie Morton, Corey Kluber, Craig Kimbrell, Justin Verlander. I mean, my God. I mean, you... you- you're looking at a situation where Severino might be the seventh inning guy on this team. <laughs> right. We, have they announced who's going to start yet? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. No, they haven't. And it's looking like I'm most likely predicting Scherzer is going to start for the National League yep. because it's the home park. Yep. Um, that seems likely. But, man, like, does it matter who starts the American League? Maybe they need to do what Tampa's been doing with the opener and the bullpen, like start we mentioned Kimbrough. earlier. Start, yeah, start Kimbrell. Have him come out the gate, like and like no, let like let Sale close it out. Yeah. Let Sale get like let let Sale pitch like the eighth and ninth inning, let's say, or something like that. I mean, there's some ways to do this. Uh, we yeah, I mean, when we break this down, let, let's talk about the pick because to me, minus one ten, if that's what it stays at, I think this is the American League all day long, all day. I mean, I I feel like I thought they were going to be like a minus one fifty, minus one sixty on this one. To be honest with you. Yeah, I and mean, American League also won five straight All Star games in twelve of the last fifteen. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> anyway, and just besides that history, just look at that talent on that that side. It's insane right now. And not that the National League, but like we're looking. Okay, back like you said on the bench, we're looking at Francis Colindor versus Brandon Crawford. Right. <laughs> like, look how big of a gap that one. Is. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Blackman, Kane, and Yelich are the reserve outfielders in the AL. You have Brantley, uh, George Springer, and Nelson Cruz. I mean, I get it. And, and you know what? And here's the thing is, if the, I would like, they have all those, uh, like, as good as the National League side is, it's also like, it's in a National League ballpark. So we're not, are we going to have the DH for this? Yes, there is they, a DH. There is a DH. Okay. It's going to be JD Martinez and um, probably, yeah. uh, no, no. Um, Jesus, hold on. Let me pull it up because somebody, I think, got it. Actually, no. Maybe there isn't. It, J.D. Martinez was just listed as the DH, so I thought they were going to have one. So maybe they I won't. I saw that, too, because I saw him listed as the... But, but the National League doesn't... Have, I mean, obviously, they don't have a DH listed. They don't um, play in... Yeah, so I don't know. That's a, a, Probably should have looked that up, but I have absolutely no idea. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because the American League will be able to put a better DH in there than the National League. Pretty much. I mean, well, the thing is, is so JD. If the, if that is the case, then JD Martinez likely won't start. Your starting outfield for the AL is going to be Betts, Trout, and Judge, uh, and then Martinez would be the first replacement, I assume. Uh, he'll be a pinch hitter, probably. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, but um, I think he would come in to play an inning in the outfield as well. Probably. Like what? I would looking, think they would well, want to get him two uh, at bats, just like the rest of the starters. Well, I feel like you want to kind of bring George Springer in late 
for maybe a heroic bat and some defensive replacement. Yeah. Um, I don't know because they don't have one listed, so I'm not sure how they're going to do that. It's a good, good question. Uh, so we're yeah, both you know, on it's, the AL. It's, <laughs> Go ahead. We're, we're both big on the AL. And I'm on the AL with the over here, too. Yeah, so five and a half, I should mention that. Uh, I believe 10 straight unders. So for you, just go with the over here. Uh, let me see. Uh, under has cashed 10 of the last 12. Under has cashed 10 of the last 12? Yep, 10, 1, and 1. Ugh. Five and a half seems low, but then you get, I mean, we, we just mentioned all those pitchers. Yep, it's a very low scoring game. Five point, uh, 5.8 the last 12 is the average runs. So I, I just talked myself out of that under. <laughs> <or over. laughs> I, I was talking about the Tampa. Uh, to me, another play that I've, I've always been kind of big on in the all-star game is the no-score first inning prop. Oh, that's a great one. And you can also like, live bet this. You can all, always play Willie Rumby scored in such and such inning two through nine. Hey, you got to remember like what the – like uh, remember the Boston – of course you do. You're Pedro right, Martinez, fan. man. Struck Pedro out Martinez. Two sides. Yep. Yeah, just like – yeah, so those things are pretty low-scoring. I mean – and not only that, like Pedro was staring down like Murderer's Row of the National League. Yep. For the '90s, I mean, it was like he was striking out McGuire. So, so all these guys. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the props I saw on this that I thought was really interesting because I feel like Scherzer's probably going to go two innings, right? Yeah, I would assume so in his home park. In his home park, and I saw his over/under strikeout total of two and a half. Yeah, I like that a lot to go over. I like. I really like the over two and a half there. I feel like. If he's coming in the All Star game, who are we assuming is going to start for the AL? Probably Severino. Probably Severino. I mean, so you're going to get Severino versus Scherzer. I like that no score first inning a lot. A lot, and if I really like Scherzer getting the because uh, he might strike out the side in the first, right? But he's he's going to go no more than two innings. He's going to come out in that home park, bringing it like a reliever. Yeah, and he's going to get that three strikeouts in those two innings. I mean, he might get five there. Yeah. You know, like he could, he could double that very easy. That seems like a lock for me. All right. So let's go down the line of the MVP prop bets. Mike Trout, prohibitive favorite at minus, I'm sorry, uh, plus two, plus two fifty. Mookie Betts, four to one. Freddie Freeman, six to one. Aaron Judge, seven to one. Bryce Harper, 10 to one. Jose Altuve, 15 to one. Scherzer, 20 to one. Arenado, 25 to one. And the field is nine to two or just below 10 to one. See, I like Scherzer there as a head on my American League bet. I don't think he, even if he strikes, did Pedro didn't win that MVP that year that he did it, did he? No, no. I, uh, oh, I no, he, he didn't. I remember he that. Didn't, he he didn't. didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. But so to me, somebody is, that's uh, going to go two innings, innings one through two, where everything, where it's likely to be zero, zero, one, nothing. I don't think that Scherzer's is a great bet at all. Talk me into it. Okay. At 20 to one, oh, like a 10th of a unit play that you would normally play on that is a great little hedge. But if anyone was ever going to win it, it would from a pitching perspective as a starter, it would have been Pedro, and it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, Scherzer. What? What if Scherzer? What could Scherzer do that Pedro didn't to win the MVP? Uh, well, okay, it's home park. Pedro yep. had six strikeouts. You know, so uh, what Scherzer could do is be one of the few National League teams that actually win one of these things. But what if it's zero zero? Oh, we're gonna have another tie. We're gonna have another two. No, 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 no. I'm saying when Scherzer comes out after two and it's zero zero, he's not gonna get the win. Obviously, he's not gonna get the win. Well, even if he's up after two, he's not gonna get the win. Most likely, yeah. Even if he's up after two, because you're not gonna get the win. But hey, if if let's just say it's zero zero and they end up winning one nothing, and it's like a sacrifice fly that scores that one run. Here's a theory for you. 
Scherzer, NL puts a lot of bats up. Scherzer gets an at-bat and hits a home run. I Okay, see, I like that. <laughs> I, can't yeah, get I, on, I can't get on board with Scherzer. To me, Harper's going to be the chalk in his home ballpark at 10-1. Um, I've been looking at more of the reserves because they're going to be in the game late when things that, matter. That, and that's what I was thinking. I, but I think at 20-1, a uh, home ballpark pitcher, take a chance on because like this could happen. And at a really small, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a very small thing. <laughs> Burn your money. I'm not doing it. Uh, so, all right. To me, when we look at this, again, I'm, I'm more of a reserves guy because they come in the game later. So when things are, you know, 0-0, zero, zero, one nothing, nobody really pays attention. Uh, Freddie Freeman. I like this one a lot. I know he's starting. Obviously, he's on the NL. And then us being on the American League, to me, I look at the American League as the winner. So I look at the American League reserves. And when I look down this list... Who has the the best smile in baseball, my friend? Uh, well, David Ortiz is retired. <laughs> Francisco Lindor. Okay, so you like Lindor to come? You know, and that's that's a solid one. Like uh, he's a reserve; he's going to be in the game late. Bregman's at third he, base. He's the only shortstop, so you're going to have Machado likely for a yeah. couple, and then you're going to have Lindor. All that power, everything that Lindor brings to the table. The you know one of the brightest young uh, players in the game. Again, I, I'm looking at the American League because I think they're going to win. I'm looking at reserve because I think they're going to be in late when it matters. That go ahead home run, that go ahead hit. That's what's going to win you an MVP, in my opinion. So to me, I'm on Lindor at the field price of just under ten to one. I like Lindor there too. Um, great point because like I do, I agree. Like uh, you have to be looking at a bench player. You have to be looking at a at a American League player. That's what's most likely going to happen here. That's why I like Scherzer there as my National League catch. Like, just at 20 to 1, that's crazy. But uh, I don't know. I kind of like Judge here. Tell me why. Well, I think he's going to hit get that primo lineup spot. Where he's probably – and they haven't announced the actual lineup yet. But I have a feeling he's going to hit like third or fourth. Where he's going to have a chance to come on and either do damage early – but they're, since he's one of the younger guys that's newer to the All-Star game, they're probably going to keep him around a little longer in the substitution pattern. Yep. I, I can see, like, Trout, like, like he's going to be in there in the late innings. Right? I can see Trout getting pulled kind of early because it's like he's been there, done that a few times now. Yep. One thing I've and noticed, so- the, the home guys in the All-Star game usually get an extra at-bat. The, the matchup props aren't out yet in the All-Star game. It's one of my favorite things to play. Um, you can, like For example, you can do you know, more hits, plus or minus a half. You can get like Judge versus uh, Harper, or is probably what it'll be. You know, stuff like that. Those are some of kind of the fun ones. Obviously, at the time of this recording, they're not out yet. But Harper, you know, uh, one of note that I hit a couple of years ago was Will Myers versus David Ortiz. Um, Myers got the extra at-bat, made a count, got a hit. Or to- I think they do total bases um, is how they break that one down. But those are always fun as well. So Harper likely to get two at bats, I would say. Uh, so to me, I mean, yep. I know it's chalky, but at ten to one, he would be my hedge for um, the NL. And, you know, like because I, I really do like your Lindor pick too. I kind of like Altuve too. Yep. He's because because he's gonna he's probably gonna get an extra at bat just because he's gonna be hitting at the top of that lineup. Another one, uh, just of kind of narrative notes. Nick Markakis first All Star game after I believe what 12, 13 years. 12, 13 years. And you know what's cool is because he's originally from the Atlanta area. Yep. And so for the fact that him to go in representing his hometown team, that's a great story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he absolutely was was so good on some of those forgotten, awful uh, Orioles team for so long. So shout out to him. Yep. <laughs> Big shout out to Marcakis. And <laughs> Will, 
Will the Orioles develop a pitcher? Because that hasn't happened since Mike Messina. So that's going to be something hilarious to look forward to going, going forward. Yeah, they don't have much in the system either. All right, some other fun props. Odds to not appear in the All-Star game. Chapman, minus 120. Uh, Jimenez, even money. Kenley Jansen, 3-2. to two. Mikolas, plus 200. Gene Segura, plus 400. Aguilar, plus 400. Mitch Hanniger, plus 400. Ozzie Albies, 5-1. to one. Last year, five players, available players, did not make the All-Star uh, game. Well, okay, now Dave Roberts is going to be managing the National League Club, right? Yes. The National League squad. So do you think he's going to use Jansen in any kind of losing situation here? Uh, maybe he two gonna, outs. Is he gonna, maybe to get one gonna out. Fire, is he going to fire bullets with his own ace? Maybe to get one in out. A potential, in a potential, potential losing situation. Maybe to get I'm one out to on get an appearance. I'm big on the American League here, so I really like that Kenley Jansen 3-2 to two not going to get an appearance. Because if, let's say, the AL takes a 3 nothing lead, Roberts is never going to use him. I would look the other way. Even money, Joe Jimenez. He's the worst pitcher on the staff. He's only there because every team has to be representative. Uh, represented. Uh, Great call. Uh, it's, it's in a tightly contested game, I do not think anyone wants Joe Jimenez making a fucking all-star game appearance. I get that, but also it doesn't count anymore with the World Series home field advantage. Uh, there's something about Roberts not wanting to waste Jansen in an exhibition game. I, I really like that. Yeah, Chapman, the other one. Again, Chapman or Jansen likely to only be used in save opportunities, whereas Jansen, again, the narrative of the AL winning would lead to Chapman being used and Jansen not, so I like that a lot as well. All right, longest home run. Aaron Judge, 7-1. Mike Trout, 9-1. J.D. Martinez, 9-1. Freddie Freeman, 10-1. Bryce Harper, 10-1. I kind of like Harper there. I like it. Remember when uh, Cal Ripken was in his last uh, home run game yeah. and Shanho Park no, gave him a meatball? Exactly. Uh, you know, there's something about, like, also, like, I feel like these guys get jacked up at the home stadium. Uh, they're willing to, like, I'll take a little bit higher uh, risk of failure to really jack one out here in this situation. I, and I could see I, this might be uh, Bryce Harper's last big game appearance in Washington. Completely agree. All right, odds to start like the national. Okay. There's a good chance they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, and for sure. This will be. This could be his swan song farewell. So uh, uh, here's odds to start the All Star game: Scherzer minus four hundred, Jacob Degrom five to one, Field twenty five to one. Any reason not to lay the chalk on Scherzer? Yeah, just lay it on Scherzer. <laughs> Severino minus one ten, Sale two to one, Kluber four to one, Field fifteen to one. I kind of like the field. So Blake Snell. How about that? Any that, chance that, he starts? But again, when we look at who's going to be managing the AL, um, oh God, I'm going to think about this. I don't think... Uh, Blake Snell does, deserves a start this game. I agree, um, but he was the he was only there uh, because of injury. Uh, I mean, Chris Sale tops the strikeouts, 176. Uh, Severino leading with uh, with 14 wins. Corey what Kruger. I would do is I would... I would Put on Severino because I really do think he's probably the most deserving. Looking at it all, like the way they traditionally look at it. Yep. But to me, like as a sabermetrics guy, I feel like Blake Snell's probably the more deserving guy. Yeah, I would go field fifteen to one small play and cover it up with Severino for your bet size. Exactly. That's exactly how. I would do it. All right. Who will get the win? Who will be the winning pitcher of the All Star game? Uh, Corey Kluber. Uh, f- 
five to two. Chris Sale, four to one. Garrett Cole, nine to two. Bauer, eight to one. Scherzer, eleven to one. Degrom, fifteen to one. Field, twelve to one. I like Field. I like Field all the way there. It's going to be a reliever late. Yep. Uh, like I, I could see a couple of lead changes happening, and then well, it doesn't you know, have to be a reliever. I mean, in theory, you could have Kluber, you could have Sale come in seven, eight, nine. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Scherzer strikeouts two and a half. We touched on that. I love that over, over under uh, home runs hit two and a half. I'll go over. No all-star game has featured more than three home runs since 2008. No home runs, 2009, 2010, 2013. I'm going to go under. You're going to go under. Yep. I, I think that we're, we're, this might be the time where we realize we're in that launch angle era. We're in the launch angle era of uh, three true outcomes, walk, strikeout, home run, and this ballpark plays for it a little. Agree. All right, man. Anything else with the All-Star game? No, I think – you know what's funny? To me, it's like I I miss the days where the defending league champion manager got to pick the bench. Yeah. I and, and, yeah and, yeah, it used to be stacked up with too many Yankees like because they would be the National, American League champs every year. But there was something about where, like, Joe Torre knew how to use those final few innings with his guys. Sure. And it became kind of an extension of the playoffs. I miss that. Uh, if you're going to have everybody has to have a guy in the thing, then let the manager pick his guys for the other spots. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, will it affect the game uh, with the new rules of with what the um, uh, All-Star game means now or lack thereof? Uh, no, like I said, I always liked it. I liked remember, it too. A lot of people but, gave it a lot of shit. I kind of liked it. But here's the thing. It's like no one – okay, it's not like the NBA is going on right now. It's not like the NFL is going on right now. This is the one time of year – because even in the World Series, there's basketball starting and football going on. The, the All-Star Games is the one time where baseball has front and center stage on the sporting world to themselves. And I, I, I just want to see them put on the best show. I think it was horseshit that tie in two thousand two. Yeah. Uh, what was the the reaction necessarily the right thing? But I kind of liked it. Like I, I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but I I enjoyed it. I like knowing it's like, oh my god, if Eric Gagne blows this save here in two thousand four, some other teams going to the you know, uh, a wild card team might have home field in a World Series or something about that because people forget the way they used to do it before was just they would switch back and forth. Yeah. One year yeah, the America yeah. League would have home field then at least put tie something to that other than the every other year. Do you that think it should ever garbage. be in a neutral site? Like they do Miami one year they do you know what I mean like the Super Bowl? No, 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 no because home field fans have to be able to watch. Like can you imagine as a Boston fan in 2004 if, if that, that World Series was in Tampa for any games? Yeah, that's how it is in the NFL, though. Yeah, that, no, that is how it is in the NFL, but they only play one game. Yeah, For a seven-game series, series, it's completely different. Home field means a lot it's more. It's totally different. Yep. Same thing with, obviously, all the other major sports besides the NFL. All right, so let's break down the Home Run Derby, man. This is one of my favorite events of the year. Uh, home Run Derby pulls everything that goes along with it. It is, hands down, my favorite event of the sporting summer until football. And this is from somebody who bets baseball, grinding day in and day out every single day. So this is, <laughs> I absolutely love this event. Um, people give a shit. It's lost its luster. It is what it is. If you just take it, if you just enjoy it, man, and, and get out of your own head a little bit and, and don't take life so seriously, I yeah. think it's, it's the best event in baseball. Yeah, contest. I don't get why people hate Derby over the dunk contest all day. Yeah, give me that stuff. Like, let me watch. 
Listen, like basically, I watch baseball games because I want to see dramatic home runs. I watch basketball games because I want to see dramatic dunks. Give me a thing of just that for a couple hours. For one, once a year. It's not like we're doing this every day. It's not like we have to start off like before every three-game series throughout the season, each team has to do a home run derby. <laughs> right. This is a fun thing, and it gets the fans involved. And you know what the, my favorite part of it really is? The little leaguers trying to shag balls in the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> They're dodging missiles. It, it's so much fun. Uh, one thing about this bracket, I don't know if you noticed this, there's only one American League hitter in this season. Yeah, so let's break it down, man. So uh, we'll go from the – we'll do this from these seeds all the way up. So we have Rice Hoskins of the Philadelphia Phillies at plus 550 against Jesus Aguilar, the number one seed, at plus 400. Then we have Bryce Harper – or sorry, Freddie Freeman, the seven seed, going up against Bryce Harper, the number two seed. Alex Bregman versus Kyle Schwarber, four versus five there. Max Muncy, number three, versus Javier Baez, number six. So I'll just go down the line and actually make this easier. Kyle Schwarber opened up about plus 800, plus 900, all the way down to plus 300. And again, these odds are courtesy of mybookie.ag. Bryce Harper, plus 375. Aguilar, plus 400. Hoskins, plus 550. Baez, plus 550. Muncy, plus 650. Freeman, plus 750. And Bregman, at 11 to 1. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with this format and everything like that, these aren't out yet, but you can also bet these head-to-head, which I think is is so much fun. Who will win each bracket? So you can do Aguilar versus Hoskins. It'll be a line attached. Bregman versus Schwarber, line attached. Those lines aren't out yet, but we can definitely see, based on the seeding, who will be the underdog, who will be the favorite here. So uh, let's just start in the beginning. Uh, Let's do Aguilar versus Hoskins. Assuming that Aguilar is the favorite, again, based on the odds here, uh, Hoskins plus 550, Aguilar plus 400. What do you like there? I like Hoskins. Uh, uh, since the begin, since Hoskins got called up last year in 2017, uh, since the beginning of 2017, he's hit more road home runs in Nationals Park than any other road player. Ooh, I like that. Yes, four home runs there, so, and he didn't get called up right away at the beginning. So think about that. He probably he missed out maybe three or four more there if he would have gone earlier in the season. I, Hoskins knows his park. It's in his division. It's in the wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I really like him there against Aguilar. Aguilar You're gonna get some those, dog money too if you bet him straight up. I bet. Yep, and and the thing is here, it's like Aguilar is a big, like one of those big six three, two hundred and fifty pounders. Where I really feel like these home run derbies with the time limit and everything, it favors the more athletic guys. Yeah, that's it's, an interesting stat. We I haven't really dug into that. What kind of the bigger guys have done um, in that in the competition, but it does seem like they obviously gas out a little bit. Yeah, and like, like if you look back in like the old days where uh, like Prince Fielder could sit there and pass on seven pitches in a row before they <laughs> found one that, that they want. Right. But now, no, you, you pretty much have to swing on everything. So it's more about the guys with the consistent swing, not what the guys with the best bat last pal. You know, like the best way to win these things is line drive that barely clear the fence. Yeah. And, and okay, now gra- granted the last two have been judged and sand the ungodly things. Well, I think we can put those guys in a different class than everybody else here. Yeah, the distance home runs, don't they all count the same to me, and that's so much more effort, whether you're trying to or not, uh, yep. to hit it that far. So I completely agree. Give me the guys hitting line drives. I was on Aguilar. Yeah, I, I just think he he's Prince Fielder 2.0. This kid has ungodly power. Um, but you talked me off of it. Being in... Uh, Hoskins being in this division, I think to me is a great advantage. Knows this park, and I think yep. Aguilar is going to gas out. So you talked me off that. I'm going to go with Hoskins as well. And again, I would bet would be probably plus 120, plus 130 against Aguilar as the eight seed against the one there. So uh, let's go Hoskins there. 
Next uh, one. That's ahead. what I'm on with. And you, and you know, another thing, too, is like you can live bet these things. Don't forget that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of years ago when Stanton won, I just like I didn't do well in the first round. I loaded on him down the stretch and I, and I cleaned out. So yeah. you, I feel like in these things early on, you can figure out who's got their swing working and who doesn't. Ride them after the first round. Yeah. If, Good wrinkle. All right, Alex Bregman, Kyle Schwarber. Bregman uh, versus Schwarber, who you like there? Okay, this is funny because like this is a guy drafted as a shortstop versus a guy drafted as a catcher. You don't see that much in the home runner. <laughs> like, it's kind of a, a weird little thing. Uh, do either of these guys really belong in this? I think Schwarber uh, does. Schwarber does. Bre- I, over like, 30. I feel like Bregman's the guy that's in here because there's going to be a lot of guys that hit over 30 this season. And Schwarber does because Schorber is a fun little pudgy left-handed hitter. I'm fi- I'm fine with that. Bregman as a four seed in this though, man. I, and I know he's he's got some pop, he's got some talent, but it just seems like so many. He's the only American League player that's representing this group, yep. which I find fascinating. It's him and seven other National League players. So it just seems like they couldn't get anybody. It, he's like one of those guys where it's like one of those Oscars where it's like a weak year in films. And so, like, uh, Casey Affleck wins Best Actor. <laughs> it's, 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 that, it's that kind of thing where Alex Bregman's in the home run derby because no one else in the American League wanted to do it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the gas tank to outlast Kyle Schwarber, though. Make no mistake about but, that. But that, that's the thing there. If, if we're looking at, like, and he's got quick hands with a consistent swing. So there's a guy who might be able to beat this. It, and it's probably going to be a pickup here. Uh, I don't think so because Schwarber is plus uh, is uh, all the way down to I believe plus four hundred and Bregman is twelve to one. So I don't think uh, statistically they can make that work. I think that Schwarber they, has they to be uh, a slight or big favorite, moderate minus one forty. I think right around there. I'm, I was gonna go with Schwarber anyway. I just figured since uh, like it, it's weird because like these seedings, it's not like the NCAA tournament where we're like a four or five matchup, but this isn't an eight nine matchup in the yeah, NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, for sure. The seating doesn't make, doesn't matter much. It it really doesn't matter. And so yeah, I think Schwarber as a five seed is definitely the play over. I mean, and I I was thinking that should be closer because of that. But since you brought that up to me, yeah, it Schwarber Schwarber has a good chance of winning this. Thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the opening odds. Let me give you the Bregman is plus seven hundred. Schwarber plus five hundred. Okay, yeah, see, that, that, see, that's a little closer, like, what, more what I was expecting. Yeah, I would say but. Schwarber probably minus 120, minus 130, head-to-head with Bregman. But. I still like Schwarber. Also, you look at Nationals Park, uh, I think it plays better for a left-handed. Yeah. All right, so another lefty, Bryce, actually two lefties, Bryce Harper versus Freddie Freeman. Harper at plus 225, the chalk favorite in his home ballpark. Freddie Freeman is plus 575. I like Freddie Freeman here. I, I've gone I back and forth. Uh, I, I like I mean, to fade the hype, but I just, I mean, that left that lefty swing, I feel like Harper may get out of the first round. If he doesn't, if Freeman beats Harper, he's my pick to win. Yeah, I agree completely. If Freeman gets out of this round, he's the guy. He, he's the guy you have to watch out for. The thing with Harper here is, like, let's just go back to last year with Stan, where he was supposed to put on his big, basically, like what I was saying earlier, like the farewell show for the Miami fans last year. Where they kind of knew that was going to be his. Like, he's never going to go to the playoffs there. It's going to be his last big appearance in that ballpark. And he tanked that first round. Dumb. It was like pathetic what he did. I could see the same thing with Harper. And it, like, and keep this in mind, Stan was crushing the ball last year. Harper is looking like 
Guy can't hit fucking 200, man. A quadruple A player this year. Yeah. At best. So, I mean, I like Freddie Freeman. That's scary. He's playing for a $400 million contract and he can't hit over 210. And he can't hit at all. I like Freeman here going away. And I feel like the odds when when these come out for this round. Everyone's going to bet. Everyone's going to bet Harper. Yeah. And you're going to get a great price on Freeman here. And he's probably, there's a good chance he's nationally MVP. Yeah. Co-favorite with uh, Arenado at plus 200. So we're both on Freeman. Max Muncy, Javier Baez. I'm going, give, well, it's funny. Last year, I forget who it was. It was uh, JT Real Mundo, right? Or, or Justin Bauer. Justin Bauer. There's always one that, that has you know next to nothing name value. Uh, and they never, yeah. they never really do well, to be completely honest. So that is working against Muncy's favor. He's obviously a little bit on the, the heftier side. Uh, Baez is an absolute stud this year. I mean, in, in the mix for NL MVP with what he's doing. Five-tool guy, gold glove defense, tearing the cover off the ball. I know we're both high on Muncie. I'm going to go Baez here. You are. Yeah. Here's the thing is, I'm amazed that these guys are both in it. Yeah. I but like I that. said, it's, it's, it's like so many guys reject this thing. Two, that, uh, two okay. 20 home run guys uh, facing off here. At two the break. 20 home run guys that have played majority of their at-bats, I believe, at second base this year, too. Right. You know, we have a few middle infielders or a couple middle infielders going out of here. Um, I like Baez, too. I feel like he's got like he's got that crazy. You know he's naturally left-handed. Yep, I didn't know that. And he taught himself to throw just to play. That's why his glove hand is so strong. Uh, anybody with that kind of athleticism, I think it's good for these kind of events. It's about repetition and repeating more than it's about like just screwing, hitting one on the screws occasionally. Bias may have the most talent in the, in the National League, like from a, a pure talent perspective. And Muncy's Absolutely. a good story, but again, this reminds me so much of uh, Justin Bauer last year, and obviously did not work out. The moment's just too big. He's a great story, but this is this is it's a cool the, the right ends here for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that he's a three seed. Are you kidding? Like the, these seedings are kind of ridiculous. Right? I, I understand they have. I would much rather. I think Freddie Freeman should be a three seed over Max Muncy here. <laughs> yeah, Freeman drawing Harper sucks. I feel bad for him. Like Muncy should go against Harper or break. Yeah, I, I, I feel like if you just flip flop those, this bracket looks a lot better. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, you had Hoskins. We both had Hoskins, uh, and we both had Schwarber. So who wins the semifinals, uh, Hoskins or Schwarber? I like Hoskins. For, for you'll, never, before, you'll never hear me take uh, Schwarber in an endurance contest, so I'm with you. Yeah, like with Hoskins, like I said, I, he's actually my pick to win this whole thing. I like it. Uh, I, I feel like he, like even though he's the eight seed, uh, like, let, let, okay, let's just forget about the seedings in this. It's not like it's the NFL playoffs. No, they don't matter. It, it, they don't matter at all. Uh, the fact that this is a role player who's consistently hit well in this ballpark, he's had so many more at-bats in this place than anybody except Harvard. Let, let's go with it. Yeah. All right. So you're going to go with Hoskins. Um, again, I'm not taking Schwarber in anything that requires anything standing and athletic for a long period of time. So I'm with you on Hoskins making it into the finals. We had Freeman and we both had Baez. Uh, sounds like we're both on Freeman there. I am on Freeman. Like, yeah, you got to go Freeman all the way. Uh, I think Freeman Hoskins finals is going to be exciting. Cause I, like when I first saw this bracket, I was like, oh, those bottom guys are actually going to probably be the two in it. Yeah. Uh, so you said you're yeah. on Hoskins to win it all. My pick is Freeman. So let's go head to head there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I really do feel like that. Just, if you're going to look at this off thing, that both Hoskins and Freeman. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I feel like that's going to be the finals, and you're going to be looking good, and, and you're going to get good value on both those guys going into it. All right, let's run through some props before we wrap this up. Over under total home runs in the home run derby, 181.5. You got to go over. Uh, I'm going to go under here. Uh, last year it was 195 and they had judge Stanton, Gary Sanchez and Miguel Sano. These are kind of smaller guys outside of maybe Muncie and Schwarber. Um, so I'm going to go under there. Uh, I'd say I, feel, the, I, go ahead. I, I just feel like, uh, these smaller guys are a little bit better conditioned to do it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a marathon. I don't know. Is it more of a marathon before when they can look at as many pitches as possible? Or if it's under this tiny thing, we have the one timeout. I feel like the, the format really changes now. I like more because if anything we've learned about Major League Baseball, they want more home runs, more home runs, more home runs every single season because that sells more tickets. I like it. All right. Who's going to hit the longest home run? Harper, Schwarber, Freeman, Aguilar, Hoskins, Muncie, Baez, or Bregman? I'll give you the odds after you I, pick. I like Aguilar. Yeah, I like that a lot. Aguilar and Schwarber is the two that I would bet because they're not built for endurance, but they're going to tear the cover off the ball. Yeah, exactly. So, like, so, yeah. Schwarber five to one. Aguilar is nine to one. Is uh, yeah, nine to one. Aguilar. Schwarber five to one. Yeah. Harper is four. That's a great price on. That's a great price on Aguilar because I could see him turning in one of those rounds where he only gets three home runs, but all three of them go like five hundred plus feet. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, over under longest home run in the Derby four hundred ninety one and a half feet. Over. I'm going to go under. Last year, the longest home run was 513 by Aaron Judge. We touched on it. There's not these... As you say, Aguilar is your most likely um, person to hit the longest home run, and his longest home run in his career is 449, which is incredibly short. I'm only basing this off from the fact that I've seen a 19-year-old named uh, uh, Soto for, for uh, Washington hit a 500-foot home run in that stadium already this season. Yeah, that is true. And, and, and so for a fact that we're seeing a guy that... Like, Guys that young, uh, one of these guys is probably going to – and who knows how the wind's going to be blowing out of these. That's what's always great about the home run derby. You never really know what kind of like weather conditions is going to do this. I don't consider Washington a big home run park. Do you, Christian? No, not at all. Yeah, see, it's more of a pitcher's park. So, like, I, yeah, uh, I feel like we're going to – we're going to see some interesting stuff here. <laughs> I completely agree, man. All right, bro. Well, we did it. Anything else you want to talk about for kind of the all-star break in general, uh, home run derby, all-star game props, anything and anything left. Yeah. I just got to say, uh, if you're in Southern California at all, um, on July 31st, I will be at the Inland Empire 66ers game. <laughs> for my friend, John Huck, my friend, John Huck's actually throwing out the first pitch for that. And I'm going to be covering that as a photographer for Sean Green sports show. But if you guys come out, I'm, Totally down to hang, talk baseball, talk gambling, and go get some autographs uh, from guys half my age in the parking lot app. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, thank you as always. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you find me at, at Scott underscore Bowser. And uh, yeah, uh, I do the weekly um, base, uh, Sunday night baseball breakdown right now. But I will be coming out with a new show on the network coming soon of the Sports Scandals podcast where we'll be getting into the crime and behind all the stuff that you see in the headlines every week. I love that, man. Nothing makes me happier than sports controversy and sports scandals. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that, man. All right, bro. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Enjoy the All-Star break and enjoy all the, the fun baseball activities that you have at your disposal in California, brother. 
Thank you so much, man. It's kind of amazing living in a place where I got two major league teams and six minor league teams all within a two-hour drive. <laughs>